Welcome to Life Together, a podcast for Gresham Bible Church, where we exist to glorify God in being disciples who make disciples of all people through the transforming power of the gospel. On this episode, I have a conversation with Dave and Beth Rao. Dave and Beth share their own story and journey in becoming foster parents, and then Dave and Beth share more about the new ministry at GBC called Foster and Adoption Support Teams. We talk about what this ministry is, why it's so important, and how you can get involved. I'm here with two friends, Dave and Beth Rao, on this episode of Life Together, and we're going to get to know the Rao's more and hear more about the foster and adoption support team ministry that Gresham Bible Church is starting. And I'm really excited to have Dave and Beth on the podcast because A, they're friends, B, they have done foster care themselves, and C, they're involved with the local outreach team who's starting uh, the foster and adoption support teams, what we call FAST. So Dave and Beth are really going to help provide uh, more understanding for us to understand why this new ministry uh, happening at Gresham Bible Church is so important and why it matters. But first, we want to get to know you guys better, maybe for those that have known you a long time at GBC or maybe those that haven't had the chance to get to know you yet that are newer to church. So first, Dave and Beth, let's get to know you guys a little bit more. Why don't you each briefly share a little bit about yourself, maybe where you grew up, um, what you do for fun. Go. All right. My name is Beth Rao and I grew up in Corbett, Oregon, and I actually met Dave in high school and, um, Let's see, we have three children of our own, and Grace is 12, and Jensen's 10, Justice is 8, and um, I'm a nurse, and um, let's see, I, for fun, I like to hike, um, go on coffee dates, (laughs) (laughs) Um, just, yeah, being outside, going on walks, I, I just love, like, nature and being out. So, yeah. Okay. Dave? Yeah, I um, grew up in Corbett as well. Beth and I actually grew up as the crow flies about a mile and a half away from each other. But we didn't actually meet until we were 15 and 16. I'm a year younger than Beth, actually. Um, And I think that was God's plan. We also didn't even start dating until after she was out of high school. so that's a whole nother conversation, but um, we are back in Corbett. We've circled back after living in Troutdale for a number of years. Um, so we're living in Corbett again and raising our kids in the same neighborhood and school where we both wow, grew cool. up. So that's really fun. And uh, our son Jensen just turned 10 years old, which tells me that we've been at GBC for 10 years because yeah. we started right after he was born. Wow. Um, so yeah, his birthday was actually on Monday. Mm-hmm. Mm, that's awesome. Yeah. So I have to ask real quick, do you guys remember your first date? I don't think I've ever asked you that before. <laughs> <laughs> was that the dance that you ditched me at? I think. <laughs> Can we edit that out? Yeah, yeah no, that's staying on for sure. Yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, I think that was our first date. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, wait, your first date was a dance and then you ditched Dave at the dance? Okay, can we move? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's totally fine. We'll we'll talk about that more another time because I definitely want to hear more there. Uh, that's great. So you've been at Gresham Bible Church for 10 years and they, Dave, what do you do for work? I actually recently switched jobs. I work for a commercial construction company, do mass timber construction. Cool. Uh, which is really exciting. And I am more of the people leader um, than um, construction worker, at least most of the time. But since I've started, I've been actually working in the field quite a bit because we've got more work than we can handle at the moment. Um, and is it okay for me to bring up real quick, what's your record as a football coach, Dave? What just happened? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. I am the uh, Gorge League uh, third and fourth grade football champion yes. head coach so my boys your team first year coaching right that's right yeah all right yeah, i just awesome. gotta quit while i'm ahead yeah um but that was that was super fun really fulfilling to watch the kids go from first year almost all of them no experience at all and see the the percent increase in just their ability and confidence and all of that and ability to work together was really fulfilling and oh, that's awesome. uh, I actually would never have done it uh, without Beth kind of twisting my arm and signing me up um, which I think is a pretty good kind of explanation for how we do a lot of the worthwhile stuff that we nice do. good you're a good team <laughs> yeah right. yeah oh that's awesome okay yeah. and how about when we've had um, GBC members on the podcast we call it voices of GBC to get to know each other better a question that we've asked each person so I want to ask you guys is what's one thing Gresham Bible Church should know about you? So maybe each of you individually or you as a couple, it's up to you. What's one thing GBC should know about you? I could go first. I think okay. when you sent me that question, I had a first instinct that was kind of like fun fact. And in that regard, I'm a kind of an adrenaline junkie. So kind I of? like maybe it depends, <laughs> relative, I guess. Uh, I like things that go fast, uh, a dirt bike and a mountain bike, and like to snowboard and all kinds of stuff like that. So cool. Um, Beth is not an adrenaline junkie. Mm -hmm. She can't steal that one. Um, I think maybe more meaningfully, though, if there's something that I would want people at GBC to know about me, it would be that um, I want to help. Like mm. that's that's my gifting, but it's also something that. Well, I guess God has gifted me with in many ways. He's gifted me, gifted me with a lot of relationships that help me help people. Um, and it's I get fulfillment from that. And so if you're struggling with whatever, I'd be happy to help. And that that's awesome. Yeah. I appreciate that about you. You've helped our family that way. So, yeah, thank you. I think right. some, the areas are like hands on work stuff, as well as if you're kind of struggling in your job, I have done a ton of work with like leadership and self-advocacy and coaching and stuff like that and I would love to kind of help anybody that's struggling there which I think is quite a few people Definitely. statistically so yeah that's great okay Beth how about you what's one thing GBC should know about you yeah so for me on a personal level um in the past, I have struggled a lot with both anxiety and depression, and, mm. and I have also experienced a ton of healing and a ton of growth, and um, it's something that 
like I would love to talk to anyone who's struggling with that because it is like, well, it it's more way more common than you know people talk about, and then um, there is hope, you know. And so, if anyone is, you know, you know, don't meet know me or do you know, I would like feel like the Lord's put me in this place of healing where I can talk about it and help and understand I think you know and anyway it's just something personally that um I uh I just like I'm so like feel so blessed and want to bring that hope to others you know amen thank you for being transparent on the podcast and sharing that Mm -hmm. I hope people will take you up on that and reach out to you Mm -hmm. with questions or they're going through a dark time and someone can relate and understand so yeah thanks for sharing that all right Mm -hmm. Well, let's uh, somewhat transition. We want to talk about foster and adoption support teams. And you guys are here on this episode because of your work on the local outreach team kind of helping to get this started. But I think even more so, it's important for our church to know and get to know those that are fostering to really understand what this is. So it's not just like an idea or a concept and there can be misconceptions around it. So I'd love if we spend a few minutes kind of unpacking that a little bit, like your experience with foster care, and then we'll use that to share more about the foster and adoption support team. So um, I know we could talk about this for hours. There's so many layers to it and things that you're still learning, but maybe if you could kind of summarize or help GBC to get to understand more, you know, what did your journey look like? Why did you decide to do foster care? Like what was that tipping point? What's the background and then when and why did you take the leap? Want me to start? Um, so we've always had kind of a draw or a push or um, just something in the Holy Spirit that's been been, uh, moving us to do outreach of all different kinds. So before we had kids, we did a lot of work with the homeless um, and even a little bit after. um, It's a little harder with little kids because they've got dogs and, you know, other dangerous things that can happen. So, um, I think we struggled a lot to, to really know the best place to channel that, um, Mm. that pull or that desire to reach out, um, and, and command really, I mean, it's all throughout scripture and, um, have did kind of flash in the pan ministries here and there and, and help with this, help with that. But the scattergun approach is never one that is, ultimately fulfilling and um, I don't think meets the intent of the full intent of what scripture is is calling us to and so we had sought the Lord and definitely were involved in other ministries like a ministry to the the pilot students from China that was really cool and fulfilling and and very relational and the right thing for us at that time but coming to GBC, we actually didn't have any like bias toward foster care. We hadn't, we knew what it was, but weren't that involved. We knew people who were foster parents, but um, Virgil and Kelsey were fostering at that time, and the Willards were, you know, fostering, and there was a bunch of other people. Mike, you and Carrie started fostering at that time. Ian and Lauren, and and you guys were in our small group, and we sort of saw that 
start up and we just um two things happened one we just saw it firsthand a lot closer um but also um i'm kind of like a root cause analysis problem solving guy i've actually was a continuous improvement uh professional in a manufacturing organization so yep, i like okay. was trained to think root cause and it's like wait a minute all this work that we were doing for the homeless and these other things like this all originates really early on like talking to all these different homeless people and hearing their stories and their upbringings it's like a lot of them came out of foster care or should have been in foster care because they mm -hmm. were in a family situation that was worse than um a lot of what a lot of people in foster care are experiencing and just all of that childhood trauma yeah. and realizing like this is the source of all these other things not that we shouldn't work on you know treating the symptoms but if we can get at the the root cause like it's so important yep um so i think that's what really got us starting to think intentionally uh about what it, what does it look like for us to get involved mm-hmm yeah, and I, I would have to just really emphasize having a relationship with Carrie Dahl mm -hmm. and Mike and um, Ian and Lauren, the quarters, you know, like being in a small group and just um, kind of living life together, you know, and yep. um, starting to just have like have a real heart for these families and just these kids and just seeing it up close and real and get it starting to get involved um, uh, really started to turn like God was working in our heart. Mm, and awesome. um, I think I wanted to be real about this, that um, for me personally, um, something that kept me from wanting to be a foster parent was fear because um, and everybody has different reasons of fear you know and for me personally i can't speak to dave i don't know if he felt this way as much but it was honestly inviting the government into our home you know like yep. just you know uh, there's some high statistics i can't quote them but like allegations are often made for foster parents and um i was just not that i have anything you know i mean i'm innocent in my heart but it's like you know, you never know when someone's going to accuse you of some, something, mm -hmm. you know. And so um, just like wrestling with that fear and um, praise God, like I don't worry about that. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm still cautious. Like yesterday, you know, our little guy had a little mark and I just just have to report it, you know. Um, but, uh, you know, so be wise, but not fearful. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that for me, just to be real, is um, one of the barriers, you know, to jumping in. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I appreciate you bringing that up because I know we could talk about this again a long time. For those that do foster care and or adoption, there are those, I resonate totally with what you're saying, those fears that are unique to each of us that maybe hold us back. And it's not to say everyone's called to foster and adopt, but you have to confront those fears and lay those before the Lord ultimately if he's calling you to do it. And I love seeing how you guys have done that. You've counted the cost. Those are valid, understandable fears. And yet that didn't hold you back from what you knew the Lord was calling you to. So mm -hmm. that's awesome. Yeah. And it's funny that we, we actually didn't know that 
God was calling us to be foster parents, mm. but we were really clear that he wanted us to invest in foster care and invest yeah. in that ministry. Um, and so we were actually really, we had a lot of conversations about it. And when we, when we first became passionate about foster care, it was really clear, like we shouldn't jump in right now because we're surrounded by people who are in it and struggling to keep their head above water and we're still on the ship and we can throw the life rings like why would we also jump in the water yeah. and you guys did that to our family multiple <laughs> times so thank you yes absolutely um but i think it, that's just a process and that's good and it, some people i think are meant to always play that support role and other and others eventually uh can dive in themselves yeah. And uh, I had a conversation with Ian at one point and he's like, man, this is awesome. Your support is is great. Uh, once we get stabilized and you guys are ready to foster, then we'll support you. And yeah. he's, he, him and Lauren have definitely made good on that mm -hmm. commitment, which is really cool. That's awesome. To see that conversation from four or five years ago, you know, and how that. Yeah. That happens. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I think. And, and that's really one of the things that makes me so excited about the foster and adoptive support teams is this now creates a way for that to happen. Yep. Um, that that overcomes a lot of kind of the natural barriers to why it just doesn't spontaneously happen, which we can talk more about probably yes. a little bit later. Yeah, for sure. So we're going to get more into uh, foster and adoption support teams, kind of the why behind it, what the model is. But first, I thought it'd be good and it would bless Gresham Bible Church to hear both of you talk even briefly. So you've done foster care. For how long now have you been actively foster parents? Uh, for one year. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And you've helped for years before that. Mm -hmm. So maybe if you don't mind me asking, uh, what are some things that you're learning in specifically like in your walk with Jesus from this experience to this point? trust hmm. you know yeah because something i didn't realize how difficult it would be being a foster parent is just the unknown mm -hmm. you don't know if this child is leaving next week or if you're gonna adopt them you know it's very um unpredictable yeah. you don't get a lot of information and um you're like walking that out with your children and that unknown for them um that's real. That's actually the hardest part is just, um, you know, I mean, of course you're going to love this child as, as like the same, but it's like, how, how can you plan? Like, how can you, yeah. you know, really know what your future is going to hold? And we want to know, right. We want to, we want to like, mm -hmm. yeah, we want to have our life kind of foreseeable future, what's going to happen, you know, and it's totally unpredictable. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. I can resonate with that for sure. Dave, how about you? Yeah, I, I definitely would, would echo the same thing. Um, and with, with all of the change we've had in this last year, mm -hmm. it's been, it's been a lot just trusting that God is good, mm. being able to look in hindsight and see his hand, even in the midst of really hard situations and just the timing of things and how he, mm. Amen. has orchestrated for things to happen in his time, even though on the front side of it, it looked like it wasn't, wouldn't have been the time that we would have chosen. Um, so just 
trusting in his goodness at yeah. every step of the way. <clears throat> and, you know, I do tend to be one of those people that likes change. I like the unknown. I kind of thrive in that. But is that the adrenaline junkie thing? Um, it might be related. <laughs> yeah, I'm so I, I get of course, I'm nervous about changes, but I'm more excited than nervous. Usually, even even with kind of bad stuff happening, it's like, well, this is going to be new and it's going to be problem solving and we're going to be, you know, adventuring into new territory. So I, I get really excited for that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, but that's not to say, like, I don't still need to trust God. I mean, it's it's trust that kind of, I think, helps see the positive in some of those things. Yeah. Yeah. I know we could talk about that for a long time um, in what we're learning about how good our God is, even in the midst of hard times and darkness and trial and everything that life brings and foster care brings, too. So thanks for for sharing that. Yeah. Well, let's transition to talking about foster and adoption support teams. I'm going to kind of bounce some questions off of you and probably add a few things here and there. And mm -hmm. I hope by the time we're done with our conversation, Gresham Bible Church has a more clear kind of view in terms of why this matters and, and what this is. So mm -hmm. I'm going to toss a softball to both of you. What is foster and adoption support teams? Maybe paint the picture for us a little bit first before we get to the why. So foster and adoptive support teams is, um, is a model of supporting foster and adoptive families mm -hmm. um, with other people in the church community. Um, we are starting that within our church, but we aren't limiting it to our church, um, but definitely want to want to start there. And it is, it's not highly structured or programmed, um, but there are some things about it that um, create some coordination and some preemptive like commitment to do certain things. Um, and what I've said before is it's the goal is to move from reactive to proactive support because mm -hmm. there isn't, you know, nobody in the church is going to just, if they know someone is struggling as, you know, especially a foster adopted family, they're struggling in a very specific way is going to say, Oh no, I don't care. I don't want to help. Yeah. Um, but like there are a lot of barriers to really knowing that um, it's hard to ask for help and it's hard to even acknowledge as a foster parent that it's time to ask for help, usually until it's so late that it's now feels like it would take more energy to ask for help and explain exactly what you need and whatever to then to just power through and get, get over the hump. Yeah. Um, and so this helps to offset that reality of life and I think human nature. Uh, mm -hmm. Not just it's not unique to foster and adoptive families. It's just that we tend to need a lot, a lot of help, um, uh, or at least more a little more often than the average family. And so, um, this is just a way for the the church, uh, the greater church, to body to kind of step forward ahead of time and yeah. get out in front of it. Yep, and. Uh, I'm excited for the, the long-term implications of it. Yeah, me too. I was thinking uh, ahead of our conversation, just um, what a blessing 
your family has been to my family during our foster care adoption journey. I can think of specific times you guys just showed up and you brought us dinner. You brought us food. You're like, hey, we thought you could use this unsolicited. And what a blessing that was. And we didn't even know how much we needed that until you guys showed up. So thinking, how can we, and that's good and beautiful, and that's the body being the body, but then how can we help that be a little more intentional on that so it's um, sustainable and consistent. Because mm-hmm. I love what you just said, Dave, that most foster and ad- adoptive families, whether rightly or wrongly, either have a hard time asking for help or don't know they need help until you're in recovery mode. Mm-hmm. And so how to be more proactive there. So I love the FAST model because it provides a structure for that. So mm-hmm. it'd be, what is, is it four or five support friends around each foster adoptive family? Yeah. Um, sorry, I never got to the specifics. No, no, of sorry. It. I just, yeah, it's okay. Um, yeah, the goal is four to five support friends, and a support friend could be an entire family or just uh, an individual or a couple um, that commit to support a specific foster family and hopefully develop relationship so that it's kind of more and more organic over time. Mm-hmm. Um, and they commit to just support twice a month in some small way and there's a kind of a form to sign up of here's all the things I feel I can provide support in and families will say here's all the things from this list it's not an exclusive list but it's a kind of gets the imagination going and they can check boxes and say yeah I need that I need that and then they they just get paired up based on the needs as well as uh, geographic location to just make it more practical for them to run over with a meal or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course you can request, like if you are already wanting to support someone who's already a friend, but just pull it in under this umbrella and help the, the teams get, get going and, and get established. That is also uh, something that's happening. Yeah. And that's really about it. Um, our goal is that we will have a team leader or team coordinator for each of those teams um, who is the primary point of contact to the foster family, especially in periods where you just got a new placement that's maybe comes from a really hard place and has some major adjustment and, or behavior yeah. issues that are happening, which is very real possibility. Um, then it just simplifies it for the foster family to just have one one point of contact. I think mm-hmm. many of us have maybe experienced that with like when a family member is going through a medical situation or something like one of the best pieces of advice is have somebody in the extended family that's not too close um, to, you know, the intensity of what's going on, just be the communicator. And, and that's a similar role to what the team lead would do. Yeah. Um, and then also just set up a calendar so that the foster family can plan on, hey, if if you're going to take um, my all my kids, including my foster kid, for a play date once a month, um, we can get it on the calendar and then I can plan around it. I can yep. plan grocery shopping or something like that so we can kind of take full advantage of it and we're not relying on memories or surprise. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, that's, that's it. good. How about maybe help 
us just imagine a little bit, like I've had some conversations with people at church over the last few weeks about foster and adoption support teams and those that are considering becoming a support friend and what does support look like? It's driven by the family who needs a support, but maybe Dave and or Beth, like what are some, just from your experiences in fostering and helping foster families, what are some things a support friend could do that once or twice a month that would really be a blessing to that family? Like what are just some examples, tangible examples that come to mind? I think date night. Yeah, yeah that's good. And, Absolutely. Uh, I get a lot of question about um, if a person can watch a foster child. So as has been explained to me by my our certifier, basically um, if the child is going to spend the night, you need to have like a background check. Mm-hmm. But it is, if it's someone that we trust and we know and it's not like a regular babysitter, then um, – that person can, you know, watch the child for a couple hours while we go for a date. So, um, we actually were listening to a podcast, um, recently on foster care and they talked about the importance of dates and we've kind of Mm -hmm. trying to get back, back into that because it is so important, um, to connect um, and be able mm-hmm. to talk through some of the things that are going on. It's just hard to do that at home with the, all the distractions. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. So a support friend could say, hey, we're going to help you guys have a date night once a month. Watch mm-hmm. the kids so you guys can get out and talk. Any other examples of maybe what a support friend could do? I know it's pretty much endless, but just for the sake of conversation. Yeah. And the form we have has like, I think, 19 examples yeah. that were well thought out. And I even put it into the form, but I'm sort of blanking on most of them. Uh, for us in particular, it's um, it's that little incremental respite. You think of respite as like, oh, we're going to give us a sabbatical, take our kids for two weeks while we go to Maui or something. <laughs> it's like, that's not what really is sustaining it's the incremental like i got to go to the grocery store i have no idea how i'm going to get that done right now Mm -hmm. and it's an hour and a half um in the moment like that kind of stuff is is awesome like in the daily not in the moment but in the daily flow of life routine and if you can plan for that like hey every two weeks i do grocery shopping now i can actually like plan my grocery list around that and i can actually like yeah it just has this kind of building effect uh to it when you can have just this little bit of help but that you can count on and then um it has a ripple effect that just oh, it's huge. positive waves yep oh that that's great and i love the form so if someone's interested in getting involved um we'll put all this information jordan hopefully in the show notes but uh on the um, survey there's a bunch of examples being a support friend can mean bringing a meal twice a month it can mean grocery shopping it can be helping with yard work it can be helping watch kids for date nights Uh, at a minimum it should be prayer and encouragement it's all of these things together that um, from personal experience as a foster adoptive family, when if you were to have four or five people who are saying, hey, I'm committed to this and the commitment ask is for a year, that's just takes some stress away. Like that's life giving, knowing these are my people and I'll just um, I've got to be careful. Uh, I don't get on my soapbox, but <laughs> if, if you are considering being a support friend and ask, I don't think it's on the form, but from my perspective and experience, I'd say be a safe person. So meaning be open to the foster and adoptive family, just needing someone to cry with, just to be blunt, to vent, to just be safe, let them not be their their best selves, because uh, mm-hmm. we're all broken. Because foster and adoption um, takes 
uh, it's pound of flesh from you. And so if you're considering being a support friend, I'm probably not doing a good job selling it right now by <laughs> saying this, but I'm just being transparent. If you're a support friend, be willing to be a shoulder to cry on, to let someone just be real with you, I think is key in all of this. Because if you sign up to be a support friend and uh, you feel like you always have to have your act together or the foster adoptive family does, that's not doing anybody any good. Is mm -hmm. that, am I off? Would you agree with that? Thoughts? No, that's, that's spot on. Okay. All right. All right. Um, there's so much else that can be said. I'm just going to read something real quick to kind of sure. put a little bit of flavor to it. So for the um, model we're using, it's from an organization, uh, Foster the Bay or Foster the City, I think it's just rebranded it to just Foster the City. Foster so. the City. OK, so really cool organization down in the Bay Area who provided Gresham Bible Church, all their stuff and said, hey, use this. And they provide some stats that pretty much hold true in our context context as well. So I want to read those for a minute and then we'll continue the conversation. So uh, long-term effects of foster care for those that maybe aren't familiar with this. So um, long-term effect of foster care is that 50% of youth who've been in foster care will be unemployed by the age of 24. So just think 50% of them will have a job. Think of the implications of that. 33% of foster youth become homeless after aging out of foster care. To your point, Dave, what's the root cause of some of this stuff? 50% mm -hmm. of foster youth will develop a dependence on a controlled substance. 50% mm -hmm. of those that have been in foster care. And then 71% of girls who've been in foster care will be pregnant by the age of 21. 71%. So I'm not trying to um, just throw stats at the wall. You can make stats, tell whatever story you want, right? But to kind of help paint the picture or tell the story of these youths that are in foster care, these kids, um, the stats say that uh, life's going to be really hard for them. And so mm -hmm. how can we, as God's people, as the church, um, help break that cycle and help mm -hmm. come alongside and show them the love of Christ? So, Absolutely. Yeah. And I think, you know, to, to make an impact into some of those statistics, it's not like people aren't already trying, right? Yep. Um, there's a lot of people engaged in this work already. Um, but when you look at some of the statistics of foster families, I think the average family fosters for 10 months, I think was the, stati the mm -hmm. statistic that I saw. And um, that's after going through all of the training and everything, which can take months, and then they, they only last 10 months. Um, and then you couple that information with the importance of attachment as, we're, as, as we get more and more educated about kids from hard places and how deeply impacted they are. It's, it's attachment that really is kind of this this wound that is persistent and has a major impact into their relationships in general and we all know that life is relationships whether it be at work or in the family or whatever and when you have deep scars of attachment um, that's a problem so what happens when the foster family that you were with they could be great but if they burn out and they yeah. can't hang in there that's a ripped attachment and um, the more those attachments rip the less 
these kids um, have to attach, right? They, they just, mm-hmm. the less, the, yeah, the less they yeah. healthily attach. And that it, it does come out in other ways because we're relational beings, but yeah. I really the, appreciate you bringing that up. And I know the point of this is to talk about support friends around a foster family, but that's been something Carrie and I have wrestled with is uh, having foster babies in our home. Like, are we really, is this making a difference when you're at your hard place, you're worn down, is this really worth it? It's kind of what I'm asking. But when you think about it in terms of attachment and that baby, like you guys have in your home, you're creating stability for however long season. And um, we've read a bunch of stuff like in the first two years, especially the first 12 months, those attachment things are formed in us and who we're designed to be. So if you're a foster family fostering a baby, you are making a big Mm -hmm. difference in that child's life uh, those first two years are formative and important. So anyway, the attachment yeah. stuff is huge. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that the more ch- trauma a kid experienced, I mean, every kid in foster care has experienced trauma, just getting removed from your home, even if it was for a purely false allegation and there was no violence or anything like that in the home, the, the removal, the act of removal, <laughs> forci- yep. forcibly being removed oh, from your, what you know is in itself traumatic. Um, but that's not the reality for most of these kids. The reality is there's far more abuse happening than we're even than kids even getting removed. Mm-hmm. But the the more deeply they've been hurt, the more uh, the more it takes to to parent them well and to to care for them, and the harder that is. And I think we as a church are very clearly called to that. We were talking about that right before the podcast, yeah. James one twenty seven. It's like mandatory minimum for our religion that we care for widows and orphans in their distress. And that's a very active go-to, assertive, go-care-for. That's sort of a litmus test to if you're serious about what you say you believe. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's hard. It's really hard. And foster parents burn out all over. And I think something like FAST, that's why I'm so passionate about it, because it, it addresses that statistic of burnout, which can address the stability for foster kids, which can address all of those statistics that you just cited Great and point. more. Yep. Um, and I, I really believe that we can see, you know, foster families not just surviving longer, but thriving. We can. It, it's just getting more people in the game and not everybody should dive in off the deck. People need to stay in support roles. That's absolutely essential. And it reflects what is talked about through scripture in the body and all the, each of the members having a different part to play. Amen. Um, so, yeah, you could you say this, Dave, you said this before the podcast. I loved how you phrase it. You talked about we're called to do hard things, but then you added something to that, but not alone. Or how did you say that? I don't remember exactly, but we're we're called to do hard things and foster care is hard. Yeah. And as humans, we, we aren't designed to do hard things alone. Yeah. There you go. We're designed for community. And I think all the one another's in scripture are a very practical, um, way of addressing that limitation that God has put in us Mm -hmm. so that we need each other. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, there's, there are so many ways that we can support one another, but ultimately it's, it's, 
they all they all sort of fall into accountability, which my definition is helping other people achieve what they are committed to. So if there's a foster family that's committed to caring for these kids for the long term, how can we help them? And there's many ways. And we approach it from that stance, I think. Yep. Um, we can really make a difference. Yeah, I love this. Um, yeah, there's so much we could just keep talking about and it's helpful stuff and just quick thing. So I've been reflecting on having you guys on the podcast and thinking about fast and it's been so encouraging to see so many people already asking questions about or, or wanting to get involved and we'll hold it open-handedly it's the lord's to do and in through our right. church but so excited about this and also thinking about like how it adorns the gospel in our community so to one another as fellow members of the same local church family that unity points to jesus john 13 sentence john mm -hmm. 17 then also what's it tell what story does it tell like to our unsaved family members co-workers neighbors caseworkers wow this church is doing support friends and they're coming along and helping each other like i just think that um points to jesus that's a huge opportunity mm -hmm. in our culture that's so angry all the time and pulling apart and canceling each other if we could come together to do this mm -hmm. that's pretty awesome so yeah yeah, yeah. um sorry you're getting me on my soapbox i'll be oh, quiet now. okay all right, so so the, the the fast foster adoption support teams ministry, maybe someone is thinking about it. Or this is the first time they've heard about it. How can they get involved or learn more? What would you say? Um, we have we are scheduling as a local outreach team right now. We are scheduling like informational meetings. Mm -hmm. um, so we've had a couple of those already, and uh, quite a few people showing interest, which is really exciting. And um, we can schedule more. So I don't have cool. like a listed of dates on the calendar, um, but it's not a huge uh, time commitment. Um, you can just reach out to anybody on the local outreach team or um, you know, fill out the connection card information and just ask about the foster and adoptive support and get connected. Awesome. And I think we've even done with like one person, you know, just do yep. a, a one-off information meeting. So we don't wait till like once a year or something like that. Yeah. Um, and then from there, it's making the commitment and getting, getting paired up with a foster or adoptive family. And on the foster and adoptive family side, I think the way to reach out is really the same. And then the, it's just a, a different form to sign up and say, yep, I, I would love to participate and, and receive some support. Um, I would also add it's foster and adoptive. It's we're talking mostly about foster because that's best in my journey, but we don't want to like cut people off just because they adopt kids. And we also don't want to rule people out that never fostered, but have adopted because it's mm -hmm. many of the same needs and challenges and it's all the same heart of heart of God. And, yep. um, yeah. And, and, uh, everybody's story is different too. So I really believe in this, but I also don't believe that every single foster and adoptive family like should sign up or you're doing something wrong or whatever. Like they, people have good support systems. Mm -hmm. uh, some already do, um, but many don't. And, and I think many could be better. I'm yeah. really, I'm really um, confident that we can help families really thrive. Like when you start, it's like, oh, what do you need? Well, nothing. But when's the last time you've 
had a weekend away with your spouse, just the two of you, um, how, how often a week do you get a chance to exercise or do a hobby that builds you up and, mm -hmm. and kind of fills your cup? Um, when's the last time you've gone on a date with your spouse? Like when you start to ask some of those questions, um, maybe there are needs, but they just haven't come to a head, right? Yep. You haven't, you haven't yep. hit the wall yet. Um, but those are things that I want for every foster and adoptive family. I, I love that because you can get into survival mode and stay there for a long time yeah. and not even know it. That's so, right. yep, that's good. Yeah. How about Beth? Can I put you on the spot a little bit? What are some of your hopes for the foster adoption support teams for Gresham Bible Church? You've modeled this. You're doing foster care yourself. Just maybe for your church family, what are some hopes you might have in all of this? Yeah, I um, honestly, I um, I really want this um, this initiative to be successful in that the people who are coming along these families really like know their place and know know that they're really um, they're really valued, mm -hmm. you know, and Amen. their role is so important. Um, I think, I think it's just, um, a lie to think that if you're not fostering, you're not, you can't make an impact, but, um, that's not true. And I've experienced that personally, you know, and just, um, and seen just how helping a family can really make a difference. Mm -hmm. So, so just, just, um, yeah, I I really um, I'm really proud of the local outreach team for just really taking this on and um, uh, looking forward to see how it all like plays out. And um, as far as like it's just it just seems like it's going to be structured. And I I'm praying for that. And I'm praying that yeah. the Lord really just blesses it. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you. Amen. Um, Again, this is a podcast episode. It can't last forever. I feel like I wish we could just keep talking about this, and we will outside of the podcast recording. But um, I hope this episode has been helpful, Gresham Bible Church, to hear what the foster and adoption support teams are about and to catch a little bit of a glimpse of kind of the why behind it or the vision. And um, excited for what the Lord's already doing in this and um, what could happen uh, for this too and just thinking about all the benefits and how cool would it be to have more than enough support friends signed up and like the benefit of those of us with kids still under our roof to help those who um, are fostering or adoption. I think there's just multitude of benefits mm -hmm. for us as a church family. So anyway, Dave and Beth, love you guys. Thanks for coming on the podcast today. Thank so, you. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Well, if you have any questions about this or would like to learn more about the foster adoption support teams, uh, you can do that by reaching out to me at mike at greshambible.org. Or if this conversation sparks any questions or ideas you want to talk more, please reach out. Uh, that's the whole point of this podcast, to spark real, actual conversations in person, not just being a consumer uh, listening to a podcast. So thanks for joining us this week and love you, Gresham Bible Church. Until next week. Thank you.